Treasure Notes. It's on page 18. And uh, I, the heading I put on this one is uh, Don't Pray for This. Uh, because there are some things that uh, when we were born again that God added to us. He gave us some things. So it's not that we just, when we were born again, uh, got a ticket to heaven. There's a lot more to it. And that's actually the part that's never investigated, it's never studied. <clears throat> and it leaves us very weak as Christians. And I think this is one of the areas that uh, we didn't do a good job in the church at large talk about. And uh, so uh, that's why uh, I titled it this way, Don't Pray for This, because some things you just need to accept by faith and then practice it. So the more you practice it, the more you, you uh, put it to use, the more it will grow, just like everything else. So there's a scripture there in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and I'm just reading verse 12. It says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. See, those things, that's, that's, that's the secret. And he keeps on talking about it if you read that old passage there. Uh, the things, the things. And when I read that, I want to know what those things are. And we find most of it in the book of Ephesians, but we will work through this a little bit. And uh, what's important for us is that it says that we might know. So God wants us to know what has been freely given to us. It's not a secret, it's not a mystery. God wants us to know, and there's a reason for that. Because if you don't know it, you cannot believe it. And then you cannot practice it. So you, you remain ignorant. If you're ignorant, then you're going to be weak. Your faith is going to be weak. And you're going to pray for things that God already gave you. And you're going to keep on praying for the rest of your life and nothing's going to happen because you already have it. It's there. <laughs> it's maybe latent. It's there. Uh, and your faith will wake it up. And, and, and as you start using it, it will grow stronger and stronger. And you'll become more familiar with it. So, so that's where I, I, I believe where we need to do some work. It's in that area. So... Same uh, chapter, verse, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, says, But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor hath entered into the heart of man the things, there's the things again, which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, Yes, the deep things of God. See, you never read that, then I want to know what he's talking about. There are some things there that we need to discover. And you only discover it by doing Bible studies, studying your Bible, reading your Bible, spending a lot of time in your Bible until it kind of floats to the surface and you begin to notice things. So... <coughs> uh, that's really the only way 
and then you discover these things. Not on the surface, you know, just when you, especially when you read two verses or three verses a day before you go to bed, you're not going to discover anything, nothing. You're going to go with chat and, and read it with attention. You pay attention to what you read. Pay attention to the vocabulary, the choice of words and the tenses and all of that. Pay attention to the whole uh, context in which it is placed and all of that is very important uh, when we, we study the Bible. So the first one we want to look at is love. Now, I don't know if you know, but there was a song in, in days past that people used to sing, more love, more power, stuff like that. You know, it, it just, it was cringe to listen to it, because in their song they were begging God for these things, not knowing God already gave it to them, you know. <laughs> but it's in scripture, if you read your Bible, you would have known it. So, the, the question always is, you know, if you don't even have love enough to read and study your Bible, what do you want to do with the love you're asking for? So love is one of those things, <coughs> and right there at the bottom of page 18 is Romans 5, verse 5. It says, Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us, has been, past tense, the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So there you have it, the love of God. Now what is the love of God? Now there are different kinds of love. And uh, the love of God is not like the love of, of man. You know, our love is very conditional. But God's love is without condition. You know, the Bible says God loved us while we were still sinners. He loved us. Sent His Son to die for us. So that's the love of God. And that's the love that was poured out into our hearts. So that's the kind of love we need to work on. So that's why Jesus said over there, I think, in Luke chapter 6, where he says, love your enemies. Well, that's the love of God that does that. Your human love cannot do that. Only the love of God can do it. And so we, we look past... <coughs> people and, and, and what they do and what they represent, all of that, and let the love of God come from us towards them. Because when we practice our own love, of course there will be nothing. Uh, but it's the love of God that can do it. So if you go into the Greek, so into the Greek there are different words for love. In English and in the modern languages, it's just translated as love. So we, we really lose the, the, the deep meaning of those words because it's just translated love. We don't really understand what that love is and, and, and what it means. So the first love, if we go into the Greek, is a word that's not in the Bible. And that's the best known word for love in the world. That's eros. That's sexual love. But it's really the name of a... Of a, a, a one of the, the Roman gods and the Greek gods and so on. It, it's a, to be honest, it's a demon spirit. 
it's 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 lust. It's not love at all. Uh, it's 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 funny that people when they talk about love and, and especially sexual love, they they say you make love. I could never understand how you can make love when there is no love. You know, it's it's just a demonic thing. It's just a demonic thing, and it fools people. It it, it is it's a deception that comes upon people, and they think it's love is not love at all. So there are different kinds of love. The next kind of love that we find in the Bible is phileo, P-H-I-L-E-O, phileo, and it is love for friends. It's a love that you have for friends, which is different from other kinds of love. It's totally on a different level. It's, it's, it's something on its own. Uh, the next one, is the Americans will know this one very well, Philadelphia, brotherly love. It's love for brothers, love among brothers. It's also the kind of love that we have in the church for one another, it's brotherly love. Uh, the next one is Philostorgos, P-H-I-L-O-S-T-O-R-G-O-S, and that is love for family. The love that you have for your family. Then there is the philotechnos. So it's philo and a technos, T E K N O S. And that's love your own children. Love your own children. And then the big one is agape, which is the love of God. You all know that one. How do you spell that? Uh, A G A P E. So that's God's love. That's the love that was poured out into our hearts. Right at the beginning, when the Holy Spirit was given to us, God put the love of God inside of us. And so we have some. And now we grow it by using it. You apply it as best you can, and you, uh, most of the time, like everything else, you do it by faith, you know, it's, it, it doesn't come naturally, uh, you do it by faith, uh, you, you go for it as hard as you can, even when it's very difficult, uh, you believe that God's going to help you, and you start exercising and practicing it, until it grows, it becomes more natural do it. There's an interesting verse I would like for us to read in John 20, uh, 21 and verse 15. Did you say John? John. First one? Uh, oh, John. Just John, regular John. Yeah. Okay. John right, there's 21. three John. Five, four Johns. Why don't you not? John 21. This was after <coughs> Jesus rose from the dead. And uh, remember, as he, as, uh, before he went to the cross, he told Peter, you'll deny me three times before the rooster crows. And that happened. So uh, 
after Jesus rose from the dead, he visited them often. This is one of those occasions where he came to visit them. And uh, let's read from verse 15. John 21. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my sheep, feed my lambs, sorry. Feed my lambs. And he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? You know, when you, when, when, it's like your parents when they speak to you in your full names. Mm -hmm. There's something up there. Sixteen. He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Attend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? He said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. So, uh, the first time when Jesus asked him, do you love me, he used the Greek word agape, or agape. Uh, also the second time. But the third time he used phileo, which is love for friends. Do you love me as a friend? Which is kind of different, but also very important. I think also for us today is that we, we also love Jesus as a friend. Uh, there was a time when Jesus spoke to the disciples and he said, Do not, uh, I don't look at you as my servants, I look at you as my friends. And so he's looking for that friendship. What's interesting, in, in, in the Dutch language, they don't say, I love you. They say, I like you. They don't say, I love you. They say, I like you. And so even in the songs, there's, there's, a, there's a beautiful song that we sing in a church that says, I love you, Lord. They say, they sing, I like you. Why? That's the language. Okay. <laughs> it's the language. And, and there, there, is, there, is, there is some beauty in it. Because it, it kind of puts it on a human level more. Uh, when you talk agape, then, you know, it is almost, it's, it's a little above our own reach. It's the love of God. Uh, you know, and it's a little, it's a, yeah, it's a little above our reach. But, you know, loving is a friend. There's an intimacy there. Uh, there's knowing each other, you know. And I, I think that's very important. What's also important from that, from this passage that we read, is that uh, every time Peter said, "Yes, Lord, you know I love you," uh, he referred to the sheep, which is the followers, right? So show it to them. Show it to them. Which is how we express the love of God, not only to Him, but also to one another and others. It is just uh, makes the Christianity a lot more practical. 
when we look at all of these different kinds of love and uh, how Jesus wants us to love him and how we need to love one another and how he shows. So we show the love of God or the love for God by loving one another. Uh, the, the, the epistle of John at the back of the Bible says, if, if you say you love God, but you hate your brother, you're a liar. You cannot do that. It, 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 it doesn't gel. And so, uh, you, sh you show the love that you have for God by loving those around you. And remember, God loves the unloving. <laughs> and, and I think... <laughs> That's where the challenge is. You know. So what do you say that again? If you say you love God, but you hate your brother, you're then you're a liar. You're a liar. You're a liar. Uh, the, the epistle of John, 1st John, uh, kind of stays on that theme. If you read that epistle, it's a very short, I think it's five chapters. It's almost from beginning to end, he's talking about the love of God and love. That's a big thing with him. Remember, he was also called, he was known as the Apostle of Love. He was the one that rested on, on the breast of Jesus at the Last Supper. And uh, he, he had a very, very close, a closer relationship with Jesus than the other did. What's also interesting while we're talking about this is that uh, Abraham, uh, God said that he, he, he spoke about Abraham as his friend. So when he went to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, he said, why would I not share this with my friend, Abraham? And so he shared with him what he was going to do. Now when you come over to the New Testament, that John, uh, the apostle of love, is the one that received the revelation that's in the book of Revelation, the end times. God showed him the future. So there's something there when when you you, you enter into a friendship with God, uh, that kind of love with, that God begins to share things with you. If you can understand what I'm trying to say here. Uh, that friendship is very important and very powerful. If you, you build that friendship relationship with him, it's a friend. Okay. Do you think people that have the Eros, the first one, sexual demonic love, they lack something of the others? Yeah, because it's self-centered. Okay, selfishness. Yeah, it, it's totally and completely... But it, and it is a demon. It is demon. Oh yeah, that's demon. That, that is, there's no question about it. That's the whole thing is demonic. It's self-centered. And uh, it's not in the Bible. No. That, that, that word is not nowhere in the Bible anywhere. It's interesting, we're talking about that, uh, when he talks about sexual love, you'll read right from the beginning, Adam knew Eve. So I don't know exactly what's meant by that. I know what happened there. You also see it in the New Testament. It, it, all through the Bible, actually, that term is used, uh, where 
after when, when, when Joseph found out that Mary was pregnant and he wanted to leave her and of course the angel spoke with him and, and so on and he said and he did not know her after Jesus was born so it's on a different level it's, it's totally on another level that is maybe something for another day so are you saying that he never knew her? I thought they had children together yeah, that, that yeah. after Jesus was born, oh, yeah, yes. yeah. So coming back to uh, things we don't pray for is uh, love is one of those things. Uh, you know, we we have to accept by faith what we just read there in, in Romans chapter five that the love of God was poured out into our hearts. It is there. And uh, we need to we need to believe it and practice it, and that's how we grow in that in that love. You, you don't pray for it; you, you you receive you receive it by faith already in you. God's given it to you. Uh, Romans five verses six to eight, there at on page nineteen. For when we, so here's the love of God. For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And you know God did it by faith, right? He had no guarantee that we would respond. That we would reciprocate that love. He had no guarantee. He did it by faith. It's amazing. It's just the love of God. And, and so, just talking about it, uh, I, I believe love, especially the love of God, is the most powerful force known to man. There's nothing bigger and stronger than that. He, he can bring the, the hardest, vilest sinner to repentance by loving him. And then we go about other ways to, to get people to change, but God loves them. He just pours his love out of them. It's extremely strong. And I, I, I think it is something that, 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 that requires a little more study. Because I believe that's where a lot of power is released. Now we're going to talk, once we're done with talking about prayer, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of power there, a lot, a lot of power. But the power of God is filled by two forces, love and faith. And without those two you want to go for the spectacular and, 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 and those things, you're going to miss the point totally. If you're not driven by the love of God and you're not operating in faith, you're going to miss the point. There's a lot of disappointment in that area. And people come and say, well, those things don't happen anymore. You have lack in your life. That's why you say that. You don't understand the fuel that, 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 that moves the, the hand of God is faith 
and love. But we'll get to that uh, later on. Ephesians 3, uh, 16 to 21, there in the middle of the page. And this is one of the prayers that Paul uh, prayed for the church, and a very good prayer that we can pray. So I won't read the whole thing, but it says that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you are being rooted and grounded in love. Can you see that? Rooted and grounded in love. May be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of God which passes knowledge. See, there's another mystery there. <laughs> How can you know something that passes knowledge? It's too big to know. You know it in your heart. It's a revelation that floods your heart. You cannot know it mentally. You cannot describe it mentally. It's not a mental thing at all. It is way beyond it. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. That you may be fooled with all the fullness of God. Can you imagine that? People say, well, you know, a little arrogant to say that. Well, that's what the Bible says. <laughs> you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him, look at this. Who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask of him. According to the power that works where? Yes. In us. That's the next thing. To him be glory by in the church, by Christ Jesus, to all generations forever and ever. Amen. What a beautiful prayer that is. But also brings a lot of understanding to us about the love of God, our place in the love of God, and how we practice the love of God. We first become rooted and grounded in and then he says that you may understand the love of Christ which passes knowledge. It's just it's a spiritual experience to put it that way. That's, that's all there that is. It's not something that you can really describe. It's a spiritual experience. The love of God. And I don't know if you've, you've experienced that, but there are times when you just sense it's like something that floods you. And it, it is, it's an extremely powerful experience that, 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 that softens you uh, when, when you have that. I, I'm not sure that we can endure it for a long period of time, an experience like that, because we look in the flesh, you know, we can only endure so much. But it's, it's amazing what, the, what it can do to you. It's extremely edifying and, and strengthening. Uh, here's First John, uh, chapter 4, 13 and 14. By this we know that we abide in him, and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. So, the love of God. The other thing about 
you know, be with God and and the love of God. And, and w w what we need to understand is not is that God doesn't have love. He is love. It's the essence of God. is love. And so you, you cannot go to God without understanding I'm going to love. See, that, that helps a lot when we go to God in prayer. I'm going to one who loves me. That already takes away a lot of doubt, right? Because most of the time we feel, I, I don't deserve this, and I, I'm not worthy, and, and things like that. Uh, ideas that the devil puts into our minds. But when, when we go to the one who loves you so much, that while you, you were running away from him, he sent his son to die in your place. It already removes a lot of doubt that we have. Okay, let's go on to the next one. Faith. We don't pray for more faith. Uh, <laughs> faith uh, is something people like to pray for. Give us more faith. And then his disciples did the same thing. Luke 17, verses 5 and 6. And the apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. They already knew that. As you read through the Gospels, you'll see Jesus always called them, Oh, you of little faith. <laughs> you of little faith. They didn't have. And, and, and that time when they were on the lake, and there was a big storm, and they were panicking, and he was sleeping. They woke him up and he rebuked the storm and he said to them, Where is your faith? Where is your faith? So the little faith they had was gone. <laughs> the storm will blow out the storm. You know? and, and that's typically how we, how we respond to circumstances when it becomes a little overwhelming as we lose our faith. And uh, that would be the wrong thing to do. We all, you always cling. It doesn't matter. It makes no sense. You know, everything is breaking down. Uh, you know, it, 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 that's the one thing the devil wants from you. That's your faith. He's always aiming to steal your faith, trying to steal your faith. Because he knows if he has your faith, he's going to have you. So you can never let go of your faith in God, even if it makes no sense. You keep on trusting him. So, uh, Luke 17, and verse 5 and 6, And the apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. So the Lord said, If you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, Be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. So, faith has a lot of power. Now, we must be careful not to assign the power to faith, but to faith in God. Because faith on its own is mind over matter. It's the power of positive thinking, that kind of stuff. So when we talk about faith, we always should qualify it, it's faith in God. That's where the power is. Because faith it really is that life connection that we have with God. It's 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 the, 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 it's a, a a conduit through which the power runs through to us and through us. It's faith. It's it's a life connection that we have with God. 
So Jesus said to them, well, if, if you know, they ask him to increase their faith, he says, well, if you have a small faith like a mustard seed, you can do much with it. <laughs> So faith is one of those things that we do not pray for. God gave to each one of us a measure of faith. And we all have faith. We all have faith. Uh, you, you, you cannot believe in Jesus without faith. Because God gave you that faith to believe in Him. Ephesians 2 verse 8 talks about that, for by grace you have been saved, through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. God helps you to, uh, to believe. Now you can come reason against it and reject it. You have the free will and the power to do it. You can reject what God gives you, but it doesn't take away the fact that God gave it to you. You could do with it what you want, but it's still a gift that God gave to you. Romans 12 and verse 3. Look at that. Page 20 at the top. For I say through, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So it's not that you can say I have more faith than you. Uh, God gave each one a measure of faith. And now we need to use that faith and grow. If you don't use it, you lose it, right? So you've got to use your faith. And I always taught our people in church that uh, it's, it's easy for us these days, if you have a headache, just take a tablet, take a pill and get it over and done with. Instead of using your faith and deal with it, because what people do is, they don't use their faith. But when the big one comes down, now suddenly they, they want to be people of faith. Well, you never develop that faith. You never grew that faith. That faith is almost non-existent, it's weak. And now you want to take on, 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 on the big one. No, you've got to grow your faith. You, you, you cannot just, you know, come from nowhere to, to, to the big league. <laughs> you grow your faith by taking steps of faith and growing that faith. When, when little challenges come to you, Instead of taking the easy way out, you show faith. Deal with it. I've learned a little bit a uh, thing uh, this week as I'm dealing with my own issue. Is uh, I, I'm doing what Jesus did when the devil attacked him. All Jesus said is, it's written. And he told him what was written. And I'm telling the devil, it is written. By stripes I healed. And Psalms 119 says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. That means it's not going to change. It stands. The more you say it, the more you believe it. Uh, I think Kathy will know where the 
woman in parliament in Canada a while back. And she, one day, she was in a pub or somewhere where she started talking with what she knew should, shouldn't have said, but what she said was, if you say something loud enough and repeat it often enough, even if it's a lie, people will believe it. It's an old trick from the Nazis. Now we can use that same trick, if you will. If you speak the truth loud and boldly and repeatedly, you will believe. You always have truth and in the atmosphere, not a lie. Let truth fill the atmosphere, not a lie. So when people speak lies, we need to come against that. We do it in love, but you leave the truth to be the last word. Because it's the truth, remember, that sets us free. That's our power. But now there's your truth and my truth yeah. and their truth. And that's all a lie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all of that's lies, you know. <laughs> they, they, they massage the truth, you know. Yeah. That, uh, all the lies are just... Uh, uh, um, Exponentially, every day it's just bigger it's, and bigger it's, it's and bigger. Deception is astounding. The lies and deception, and go out there. I mean, people look you in the eye and lie. They know they're lying. They also know that you know they're lying. And they still lie. They still lie. Okay, so how do we deal with faith? Romans ten seventeen. That's the, that's the first that you need to underline and circle and highlight. <laughs> Romans 10, 17 tells us how we do it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So if you want to make it easy for yourself, you go like this. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. <laughs> All day long. <laughs> Until you believe it. That's how you build your faith. You cannot build your faith outside of the word of God. You just cannot do it. Because you need to know the will of God. Faith begins with the will of God is known. And if you don't know the will of God, you're going to be doubting. So you find the will of God in the word of God. That's why Jesus told us to abide in the word. And that's how we build our faith. We discover who we are in Christ. What is freely given unto us. Uh, all of those things. And now once we get to that, that's one of the studies that I wrote, is our identity. That's way down the road. If we, if we come to know who we are in Christ, that's a whole new world that opens up. A whole new world opens up. Because right now, most of us in, in the natural, we believe what the devil tells us who we are. You're weak, you're a failure, you struggle, you're this, you're that. And we believe it. And people tell us things stupid, whatever, people. 
and we, we, we build a kind of an, a self-awareness and identity. And that's what we live with and go through life with. But now that we're born again, we're a new person, right? And we have a new identity in Christ. Now we need to find out who is this new person? And what does God freely keep given unto him? So that I can walk in it. And so that's where that study goes, is who am I in Christ? Make all those discoveries. It's a life-changing thing. So the next thing we don't pray for is asking the Lord to do what he told us to do. <laughs> that's very famous. You know, I've listened to people. You know, that's one of the things, if, if you're a pastor and you have prayer meetings and you hear what people pray for, you know, they, they pray for things. Asking the Lord to do things that He told them to do. It's in Scripture. So that's another reason why we need to know the Bible and, and we need to know what our job is and what God's job is. And not mix the two. Because God tells us to do things and we need to go tell them how you do it. <laughs> Nothing's going to happen. Because <laughs> we're waiting on God, but He's waiting on us. So uh, we need to know what our responsibilities are in the kingdom. I remember when I grew up as a kid in the church, the, the people of old, back of those days, always said, we're saved to serve. Saved to serve. We've got to do something. We're going to do something. And they were always serving. And there's a lot of things that the Bible talks about that we need to do. Uh, helping the poor, caring for one another, casting out demons, laying hands on the sick. Uh, and I mean, there's a long list. I don't want to make a list here because the Bible is full of it. And then there are those things that God told you specifically, which is unique to your walk with Him, that you need to do. In your prayer time, in your relationship with Him, God will share things with you, put things on your heart that you need to do. You've got to call somebody, take somebody for a coffee, go visit somebody. He's not going to take that person for a coffee. You've got to do it. <laughs> you know, and talk about things, open up a conversation, and, 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 and let it go in a specific uh, direction. So, there are things that we must do. So remember that God has no hands and feet but ours. He uses our voices and uh, we are his representatives here. And, and we're not available to him, there's nothing's going to happen. It's as simple as that. We are his hands and feet. We are the ones that going to love on people that need to be loved and taken care of and, and so on. That's our job. Uh, I, I remember in prayer meetings of ministers where I uh, was that uh, some of them, they knew somebody had a demon in that church. They asked Jesus to cast out the demon. Well, Jesus is not going to do it. He gave him a job to do it. It's over here in Mark chapter 16. All these signs will follow who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues. There's a long list. There are things that 
is giving us to do. And you can't kind of throw it back. There was a whole discussion on Twitter last week where they talk about this actually. And uh, they say, well, they talk about these people who think they're very special Christians. They, they think they're very special because they cast out demons. Now you ought to do too. If you call yourself a Christian, that's your job to do it. Or they say, well, it doesn't happen anymore. It just happened in the days of the apostles. Well, that's a nice thing to say, except that's not in the Bible. You can't back it up to scripture. You say stuff like that. Show me chapter and verse for it. You cannot, you cannot do it. It's not there. So the uh, instruction is still in place. Uh, in Luke 10, Jesus sent those people out, his disciples. He says, and heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. I always find it interesting that Jesus said, I go heal the sick. You think, well, how can I heal the sick? How can I heal the sick? You know, I can't heal a fly. How can I heal the sick? Well, no, I can't, of course. But Jesus can. But he uses our hands to do it. Uh, and, and there are different ways in, in the next teaching we'll talk about all of this, but uh, people, God uses certain people in certain ways. And we just need to have that relationship with him to find out what he wants us to do, that's all. I think we read in the Bible and in the book of James, where it says if, any, if anybody is sick, they will call the elders and they will anoint him with oil. So we knew a minister in Holland, uh, he used to anoint people with oil and minister to the sick that way. And that's how God used him. Others lay hands on the sick, others just speak to them. Uh, others, God uses some other gifts like the word of knowledge and he speaks to them and says, God's healing you of this and this and this. How do I know that? But the Holy Spirit revealed it to me. We're talking about the gifts of the Spirit now. We'll study this in detail uh, later on. Okay, uh, I have another one here, for, I just I, I call it blessing. Uh, you know, you hear people say blessing, but they, they don't, they, there are no specifics there. What, what is a blessing? What is a blessing? How are you going to know if you're blessed? God answered your prayer. So God, 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 but Jesus always uh, insisted on specifics. And... Uh, I think we need to be uh, be more specific in the prayers that we pray, and then we'll know when to pray, right? And I think when I see it on Facebook all the time, people say, "Would you pray for my next door neighbor's daughter?" Well, okay. Yeah. I, I think there needs to be specifics yes. there. What's her What's her name? Yeah. What are we praying for? Right. You know, why yeah. won't people say yeah. that God knows? Yeah, yeah um, that's what they'll say. God knows, yeah. you know, what you need. You cannot pray the prayer of faith not knowing what you're praying for. Right, that's what I always feel like. You know, I want to tell these people, sure, I'll pray for you, but I also want to say, but I don't know. Yeah. You know, because perhaps uh, it's a it's a, a simple thing that yeah. she wants. Yeah. And now they ask you pray for, for her. I think, yeah. I, think, I think a lot of times it's people's health issues. 
and for some reason they don't want to say, you know, they had a heart attack, or that they don't want to reveal that kind of information. But I think them, they themselves don't understand the need for the specifics. Yeah. Well, I think they say unspoken too a lot because it's a family issue, and they don't want their news traveling everywhere. You know. But it's, it's hard to put your faith into a prayer if you don't know what you're praying for. Well, they so already put something out there. When yeah. if, you, if you have a family issue, even if you don't speak it, and you're asking for prayer for the family of so-and-so or whatever, then you've already put it out there that there's some right. kind of something on yeah. Facebook for no, millions just, of people to see. You just made anybody suspicious now. Yeah. <laughs> and then really, and now they want to and then people are like, oh, I bet they're getting a divorce. Or this or that, you know, when really, right. you know, um, yeah. they need to repair the roof or something, you know, <laughs> something. <laughs> so when we pray, you know, that someone is sick and we pray for healing, is that not a right thing to do? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's that's okay. specific, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. So there's a good example here on the top of page 21. So uh, it's about this, uh, this blind man. He was calling out. Uh, to Jesus to, uh, to help him. See, so Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Because they still, he was calling out after Jesus and uh, for help. And then they silenced him. They said, leave the master alone. But he just cried, started crying louder and louder. And so, uh, and Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, be, be of good cheer. Rise, he's calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? Now, if he's a blind man, well, you already know. But Jesus wanted specifics. The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I might receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. Because he called it your faith. He had the faith to say exactly what he wanted. You see, that's the thing. If we are vague, then there's no, there's no faith. Where's the faith in the in the And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. So you see that uh, sometimes. Another scripture a little further down, Matthew 17, and verse 14 and 15. And when they had come uh, to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him, and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So, I mean, he's just telling the whole story right there. Exactly what the problem is. Uh, Mark 1, verse 40 and 41. I always like this one. Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him, and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. He knew Jesus could do it. He wasn't sure if he wanted to. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand, and touched him, and said to him, I am willing to be cleansed. Matthew 8, verse 5, 
Jesus, uh, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. Now this man was not a Jew. And remember when that Canaanite woman came, Jesus said, I only came to the Jews. And you're not a Jew. But this man was a centurion. He was not a Jew. Himself. As a matter of fact, he was part of the occupying force. He was not a very uh, well. He was not very welcome, I think, among the Jews. But he came, and he, he put his case there. And Jesus said to him, "I will come and heal him." So we all know that story. That uh, he said, "Well, don't don't come under my roof. I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. Just speak a word." He understood the power of the word spoken. That all Jesus needed to do was speak. And that's something we sometimes need to learn, is that when we speak, we release a lot of power. If it's, it's, it's faith-driven, a lot of power is released. And things can happen. You don't have to touch a person. You don't have to be close to them. All of you just speak that word in faith. And do it, you know. And, uh, you know, uh, on, a, on a more practical side, maybe in the beginning nothing will happen because that's usually when people stop and say, "Well, this stuff is not working." No, you need to push through. That's what faith does. We believe it because the Bible tells us, and that's the way we're going to push through. Even nothing happens, I'm going to do it again and again and again, and one day something will happen, and your faith is going to shoot up, and you will have a totally different. Uh, life. Okay, the only time when Jesus blessed anyone was when they brought those little children to him. And uh, he blessed them. And I looked that up in the Greek. It, it, it's just he, he bestowed, uh, the blessing he bestowed on him was for a happy, prosperous life. Okay, so one that I did not put the heading out. Um, is uh, running a little little, I'll be quick, and that's power. And we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 3. We've already read a little bit there. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 1. 
there is a resurrection power working toward us. You cannot go more than that. You cannot go higher than that. This is maximum voltage we're talking about here. And it's latent inside of us. It's dormant. It's there. But it's not used. So we need to unlock it by faith. Started to exercise in it. Yeah. Bring some movement into it. And then and, and, and begin to use it. And, and, and learn how to work it. And work, you know. I use it and, and, and that's how we do it. That's how we, we, we grow in God's power. Uh, and then one more, Ephesians 4, just the next one, and verse 20. No, where am I? No, I'm not there. No, Ephesians 4, 20. Huh? No. no, 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 I see what I'm doing here. That's three, sorry. Uh, I just made a mistake here in my notes. But let's, let's go to Ephesians 1. What was that? Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1. And that's another of one of Paul's prayers and a beautiful prayer to really study in detail. Ephesians 1. And uh, I'm not going to read the whole prayer just to save some time. Look at verse 19. And it says, look at, let's do 18. It says, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That's very important. That you may know, there you go, what is the hope of his calling? What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? That's in us. And look at this. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to hold us to believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Can you imagine that? Resurrection power is working toward us. God using that mighty power. You see, God equipped us well, very, very well. But we don't know about it. We still, we, we never discovered what we have. And somewhere along the line, this thing checked out, so I don't know how far the recording went. <laughs> okay. So, anyway, so it's power, but we need to know what we have and practice it. Of course, we'll make mistakes, but that's not a reason to stop. We keep on using it, keep on using it, keep on using it. say until we get that breakthrough, there'll be a break and then we move through it. <laughs>